of anything else, that's truly what we've done is, is we've brought out the positive part of real estate investing and then also created a community around it with pints and properties so we can educate people on how to get into real estate investing, different strategies, um, and then connect the vendors and their teams so they can build their own teams and become successful. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, We Love Equity family, and welcome to another show. On this show today, we have an awesome guest. This is Shelby Osborne. Shelby Osborne will actually be coming from a military perspective, which I believe is a special niche, and she is really rocking it in the Carolinas region. Uh, Shelby is a six-year Army veteran with less than two years in real estate. In 2018, she was the Keller Williams Rookie of the Year for the Carolinas region. She's the owner of the Five Pillars Realty Group and founder of the RIA Meetup Pints and Properties, and she's the owner of 40 Units and Counting. So Shelby, Shelby, welcome to the show. Welcome to the We Love Equity Real Estate family. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So you're doing some awesome things over there in the Carolinas. So I know the bio didn't do you any justice. So why don't you bring us into your world, into your space, introduce us to Shelby Osborne. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I was in the military for six years and my second duty station was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is the largest military installation in the United States. So they think it's the center of the universe, everyone there. <laughs> um, did some jumping on airplanes and then decided that the army had a lot of control over my life, um, which is fantastic in so many ways. And I don't regret any moment of my time spent there. However, I really wanted complete control over my life and my time, free of restrictions. And so I started brainstorming about how to do that. And after reading some books, and um, I I stumbled into an investment property, well, it was a primary residence back in 2013 that was at the same time starting to cash flow because I had a tenant in there. And I was like, wow, real estate's cool. See what that's all about. Okay. So that that first property, how did did you get that, that first property? Yeah. So I bought it when I was 22 years old. It was my first duty station um, in Fort Lewis, Washington, Washington State. And definitely not an investment property by any means. It's just I'd moved out there and my dad actually was like, hey, why don't you buy instead of paying someone else's mortgage? You have this thing called the VA loan where you can buy a property with 0% down. And I was like, wow, dad, that's pretty smart. Absolutely. <laughs> parents parents always know the way, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they think they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was super lucky with that property, the purchase, because um, I bought it in 2013 and it was a great time in the market before I got this property for, I was 158,000 at the time and now it's worth 230. And wow. I, I did, you know, I didn't run the numbers and it cash flows with its tenant in place, even with a disgusting HOA. So I was very fortunate about my first purchase. 
Okay. How did you, so you, you use the VA loan and I know we're kind of jumping right in here. We use the VA loan. Um, how did you find that first tenant? You know, this being you, you're, you're young, you're aggressive, you're ambitious, you know, the military can tell you to go anywhere in the world. How did you find that first tenant? So I did a thing that, you know, they always tell you not to. <laughs> I uh, rented it to one to of my friend. buddies. Yep. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so I did that twice um, with my first two tenants with that property. And then uh, after I, I, you know, been away for X amount of time, I was like, this is no longer smart. I don't trust these, you know, these people. So I leveraged. I'm all about leverage. Leveraging. Okay. So right now it's managed by an awesome property management company in Washington. So. Okay. And then how did you find that or vet that property management company? Um, how did I find them? Uh, oh, um, I have an agent friend in that area who was also prior service and highly recommended them. And I was initially drawn to the fact that they were giving me 8% instead of normally it's 10% for property management. Right. Yep. And <laughs> not that that's always the best rule of thumb <laughs> because cheaper doesn't always mean better. Yep. Um, but they've been fantastic. So very, very fortunate with that because not all property management companies are fantastic. Okay. So I know um, kind of going back, you said that your inspiration or so was because you felt that the military had too much control over your life. So yes. you started reading books. Yes. What was that inspiration? What was the books? Kind of what fueled that flame for you to get that independence? For sure. So the book that started it all, it actually came from one of those multi-level marketing, those MLM schemes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think it was Amway, which no offense to any, anyone yep, else. Yep. But they had me reading uh, The Business of the 21st Century by Robert Kiyosaki. And what really hit home for me was that cash flow quadrant that they talk about, where mm -hmm. they're you're either an employee, self-employed, a business owner, or an investor. And I just like had this reflection upon my life and was like, holy crap, man, I am an employee. Like, I don't want to be in this quadrant. Let's yep. move. Um, so yeah, that book, most people say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but that book was really the most um, influential in, in getting my mindset right. And then I stumbled on bigger pockets after, you know, Googling a little bit about real estate investing and bigger pockets has been huge for me with the podcast starting out and just like inspiration, seeing other people do such great things. And then the educational piece, um, yeah. and calculators, I'm, I'm obsessed. So. Okay. So, and, and with bigger pockets and other communities, it's always good to have that that community feel so you're not feeling like you're the only one thinking these crazy thoughts exactly. you know of hey you know why don't i buy a property instead of renting you know but you know mm -hmm. that community is definitely always strong and it sets that mindset so tell me i know you're just kind of getting started you're you're rolling you have the five pillars i mean you've made some remarkable strides just in these two years tell me about these 40 doors how did you go from that one rental in Washington state to now 40 units. How did that transpire? Um, quickly, <laughs> not really, it could go faster. But so that first property, I don't count because I bought it as a primary residence with no intention of investing. So my first intentional real estate purchase was in November of 2017. So we're almost exactly at two years. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was a duplex. It was just a, $75,000 duplex, which is awesome that you can do that in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And it rents for six twenty-five dollars each side. And you just, you can't do much better than that. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. 
I love it. So I, I bought that conventionally though. So no fancy anything, just 25% down. Um, but okay. after I did it on that first one, I was like, Ooh, even at a $75,000 purchase, like 25% down is, that's a little, a lot of, a little money. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's some money. <laughs> yeah. So my next one, uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but you can use your VA loan more than once. So my next one, I bought a quad because again, you don't have to just buy a single family with your VA. You can buy up to four units. Correct. So I bought my second intentional purchase um, to get four more units um, with that VA loan in March of 2018, right before my uh, W-2 job paycheck stopped coming in because I was getting out of the military at that time. Okay. And I don't know, like for people out there, um, if you are self-employed, you need two years of tax returns before banks think that you can make money. So they'll stop giving you loans. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so let's talk about, um, so the first one, or I would say the second one, because the first one, although it was a primary residence, it's still, still an investment property now. So the second one, the duplex, mm -hmm. you did that conventional. Why didn't you use the VA with that one, the VA loan? Because because I wanted a quad. I wanted okay. to max out my 0% down and I knew that I can get a duplex for 75, but the quads in our area go for around 255. And so I'd much rather have 0% down on a purchase with 250 as opposed to, you know what I mean? Exactly, like, very, very smart, very smart. So now you're at seven doors. Um, what was the rent coming in on the quad? The quad, uh, they rent for six seventy five a door, so that's twenty seven hundred dollars coming in, and I bought it for two fifty. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's zero percent down, so no money out of pocket. Correct, and I had the seller cover closing costs, and I also got a repair allowance. Wow, you are amazing at doing that. So, two hundred fifty thousand dollar purchase price, um, zero percent down. Plus you received concessions from the seller and you got all of the closing calls paid for. Um, that's amazing. Right. So, so go ahead. I, I don't know if this is like an educational piece, but like for people using their VA loan, it's a primary residence loan. So you must intend to occupy the property. Um, so it was fully occupied when I bought it. Um, and I intended to occupy life happens and I ended up not. Um, but okay. I just wanted to, put that out there that you, you know, just cause it's 675 a door, you have to technically you're supposed to move in. <laughs> okay. So, and, and with that being said, how did you, because I find it difficult um, transitioning from one owner to the next owner when you have tenants in place, how did that transition happen? How did you, how did you work that out? Did you do it yourself or did you use a property manager to facilitate no. that? So this was back when I, I did it all myself in the beginning which I'm actually really glad I did now because I have a better, better ability to hold property managers accountable because I understand the process a lot better. Yep. Um, but what I did is I closed and received, you know, all the handover information from the previous property manager. And then I coordinated with, with each one of the tenants to come and introduce myself. And at that point, all of them were month to month. So what I did is I asked them for like their biggest, I mean, concern, I guess, mm -hmm. Because I wanted to show them that, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I want to show them that, look, look, they were very unhappy with their last owner and property management. 
I'm not here to be this money hoarding jerk. Like I want you to enjoy where you're living. I want you to be happy. So like, I really did take into consideration everything that they had to say and try to fix their main major concern. And, um, I actually increased rents to 675. They were at 650. Um, and then I, I had them all 12 month leases after that. And so did you, did you real quick, Shelby, did you get any pushback from bumping the rents $25? Um, actually no. So, okay. which is surprising, but absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's because I came in and I showed them and when I, I, I didn't just say that I was going to make changes. Like, one girl's dishwasher didn't work. Like she had a, a new dishwasher within two days. So by showing them that I was going to take care of their issues, they were okay. And especially since those, those were under market value, the rents were mm-hmm. low anyway. Yeah. And I, I find that to be a good case. Uh, whenever you're doing a transition and the tenants may have had issues with the prior owner, it's always good to make that face-to-face introduction and then say, Hey, like you did what's your biggest concern what do we need to do to make your you know your stay here happier and more pleasant you know and then actually do those things some owners they go in and they say that but they never do fix the problem which then decreases you know that level of comfortability with that new owner so that was very smart what you did and then that way when you introduce that $25 bump in rent it's like okay, I could deal with $25 more because, hey, I got a new dishwasher or, you know, I had the carpets cleaned or something like that. So very smart, very smart. Um, did you get any pushback from them wanting to go to a annual lease, a yearly lease versus month to month? I didn't. I, okay. Honestly, I'm super fortunate in what's happened like ever. I feel like I'm one of those really lucky people, annoyingly so. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I bought a duplex uh, a couple of years ago, and my transition didn't go as well. <laughs> um, I had, but I knew going in, because the owner did tell me that the person on the first floor, you know, was behind and rent about three months, and then the person on the second floor was about two months behind. So I already knew going in, hey, I'm going to have to put these tenants out and rehab the property and put some right. new tenants in. Okay, so now you're at... You have the quad, doing everything, you were managing it. And was this in Washington State also, or this was in the Carolinas now? All, every, that first one's in Washington, all the remaining are in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay, so you're managing everything on your own. How is that yeah. going? So you're going um, out, fixing toilets and changing refrigerators? I know, I, <laughs> I would leverage that. I had a contractor who I was really good friends with who his team took really good care of me. So mm-hmm. that helped. And then also, um, I used Cozy. Do you know Cozy? Okay. Yes, I use Cozy myself. I love yes. Cozy. <laughs> I bigger pockets. I met like the guy who created Cozy. Yep. And I, I fangirled a little bit. I was like, oh my God, you changed my life. So. Yeah, he did. I was using a different property uh, management rent collection service and and we had a bad experience with them and we went over to cozy and it has just been amazing ever since. So cozy has been doing some great things. Mm -hmm. So you're managing these properties by yourself. 
you're leveraging a contractor. You know, everybody always say, well, I don't want to be a landlord because I don't want to, you know, do tenants, toilets, you know, and all of these transitions and everything like that. So right now for you, it's going pretty smooth. Tell me about a time when you hit a bump in the road. Oh, there's so many bumps. I was waiting for this question. Uh, <laughs> so in that same quad, a uh, pipe burst and uh, all over one of the units. And it was like, of course, on like a weekend and the uh -huh. tenant calling. And I'm calling my contractor and I'm like freaking out. I don't know what to do. Um, so that was a really fun situation. Overall, though, it turned out fine uh, because and that's one of the things like I don't I don't go cheap on insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, found better to just pay yep, the pay it yep. yeah because through that the insurance covered and I, I ended up getting like LVP throughout the entire house from oh, wow. okay. that which granted again in a little gray area but like my contractor was you know um and so took we had it he took care of me <laughs> <laughs> so it ended up being fine and granted when you have a claim the next time the, the policy renews your your um insurance increases a little right. bit Mm -hmm. overall like it worked out fine okay so do you make your tenants get um insurance? Yes. yes okay yeah. okay all right so they were covered did they have any damages to their property or anything they didn't have damages to property they were uh not pleased with of course having to yeah wait you know x amount of time before things were complete and there was like a birthday party that was scheduled so like not everything is perfect by any means um and then i also like i covered um half of like the month's utility bills utility bills and okay so I, I helped um with that to make sure that she was happy that's good now how long how did how long did this happen after you bought the property was it six months a year no it was like a month and a half after i purchased okay, so. okay. And that's, that's normally what happens. And I tell people, you know, after you purchase a property, if you're not doing a full extensive rehab, be set for that first, you know, three to four months for some incidentals to happen. You know, um, a situation with me, I went in, had a property inspection done and everything like that. We were changing out some things in the basement of, of the duplex and found out that the main beam, you know, was infested with termites. So it was like, okay, here's an expense that I didn't account for, but I mean, it was like $2,500, but it was worth it because I mean, like you, the numbers work wonderful on the property. So we're still not there at 40. How, how are you getting to these 40 units? <laughs> okay. Um, so the next three, so those are the ones that I've done completely on my own, except I have one more down the road that I've got on my own. But these next ones, at this point, I'm maxed out on loans because I am an independent contractor and I can't make money. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to be a little more creative about how to continue investing in properties. And I have that contractor who okay. is equally as driven as I am. And then uh, one other partner who we came in and we raised private capital for our next three deals that we purchased together. One was a single family, one was a duplex, and one was a six-unit apartment complex. Okay. So how did that, that single family, well, not the single family, how did the raise go? How did you start in raising, raising capital? Um, with my sphere of influence. 
And okay. all the money came through my sphere. So people that I already knew, knew me, liked me, trust me. And that's what I found in business in general. It's just, you know this, but it's all relationships. Yep. And you never know who, like, you got to talk to everyone and be, you know, mm -hmm. genuine and trustworthy and all these things. Because when it comes time to raise money, it, it wasn't too difficult. Um, okay. I think it would be more now because I've kind of maxed out, like, my direct sphere um the none of my investors were in the real estate industry they just knew that i was you know going to give them higher returns than their money was earning in their current investments or sitting in the bank and okay. trusted me and i showed them you know my previous deals that i had done and that's how we raised that money okay so how much was the raise if you don't mind me asking so we did it in chunks for our first it was a burr for our first okay deal, uh, we raised fifty-five thousand dollars. And then, is this the single family? This is the single. Okay. So that was the purchase price was forty, and then okay. the rehab was fifteen. It appraised for eighty, and so it was a clean, it was a clean burn. It runs for eight twenty-five. Okay. So now, is your investors they're getting a percentage every month of the rent, or at the end of the year you're cutting them a check? No. So in this is maybe just me making things up as I go. But the way <laughs> yep. Which is, I mean, I found that to be very true in everything I do. I just make it up and somehow, I don't know. It works. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but their deal is interest-only payments. So with a five-year balloon. Okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. They had, they had different rates depending on, because one- How much they put in. One negotiated. The others were just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so interest-only. Um, and then a five-year balloon. So assuming five years, are you going to liquidate that house or well, so what are you going to do? For that one in particular, because we did it relatively quickly, I offered to give the money back. Um, and, or I said, hey, if you'd like me to keep it, I will. And I'll use it towards our next project. So he was like, no, please, you're paying me. Just keep okay. it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So you guys rolled, you know, the... The money into the next to the six unit i'm assuming the next is the duplex okay the duplex right. right so how much did you have to raise for the duplex so the acquisition cost was fifty five thousand for that one and that took 35 in rehab okay so I you're all in at 90 on that one yeah and i expected it to appraise at 120 and it did not it appraised at like 97.5 so we left money in that deal so um, what happened? How, how did your appraisal or your numbers come up short according to the appraiser? Very frustrating. So not the normal appraiser for a residential property in our area is very familiar with single family homes. They don't deal with multifamily normal, like gotcha. normally at all. And they don't, they don't do the income approach. So it did no benefit to me to say, hey, look, this literally rents for 700 each side. We're bringing in $1,400 on this property um it didn't it didn't matter uh and then okay and i can see where he's coming from but also in my mind like so what did he what did he what did he, <laughs> what, did he what did he comp it against did he comp it against other duplexes or single yeah, families it's so sad because it's one of the they didn't <laughs> that one of the comps that they brought was my seventy five thousand dollar duplex and i was like damn it oh okay <laughs> Damn it. Because okay. I was so happy I got it. Because I lowballed the crap out of them on that one. 
and got like a great deal. And now I'm like, oh, now I just screwed up my comps. <laughs> comps, right, right. Okay, so you, you left money in the duplex there. Um, but the cash flow is beautiful. But right, right. But your cash flowing pretty good on that mm -hmm. one. Did you talk to the appraiser about about his appraisal numbers? How did that conversation go? Um, not. I mean, I did. I I talked to him, especially since our rehab job was beautiful. Like the inside, it was completely gutted and like literally gorgeous. I loved. I would have lived okay. in those units. Um, but it didn't really matter. But the workaround. So now multifamilies in our market have become so popular that people will just pay more for them. So these cash buyers are coming in and just paying. So now if I were to do the exact same appraisal, it would appraise at 120, no issue. Okay. Okay. They're worth that much. It's just the comps. We're not there to show it. Right. So you have equity sitting in there and are you thinking about pulling any of that equity refinancing to buy something else? Not right now. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> and why? Why why not now? Because of the prices or well, because I don't at this point I don't want to do any more it's it's those partners now. So and that was one of the questions is like what what did you learn from all of us? Or something starting over, what would you yep. do different? I would be a little more careful about um, who I decide to do business with. Because okay. So I'm the type who's very action oriented. Like I'm like, oh, you want to do this? Let's go. Me too. Let's let's do it. Um, which is good sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And other times I'm like, whoa! If I just want to slow down, slow down, <laughs> right? Calculate it. Make a calculated risk, not just a risk. Yep. Okay. So. All right. So um, so you're using you know private capital. You used you know conventional. You used your VA. Tell me about the six unit. How did that go? And was these the same partners on a duplex in a burr that funded the six unit? And both so far have been burrs. The okay. family and the duplex. Um, and then this six unit, we are going to start the refi process in January for that one. So that's also a burr. Okay. Um, so we bought that one for $180,000 and put about $100,000 into it. Okay, and so you're, you're stepping on up on your purchase okay. prices and your rehab amounts. Okay, so you're 280 and in the Same quality as the duplex, like beautiful. I really like them. Exposed brick, like really cool units right outside the gate. Um, the gate being Fort Bragg. Right, okay. So, yeah. Um, I think it'll... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't but go there like, again, Shelby. <laughs> now we're in a commercial, so it's not right. They have to take the income state. approach, exactly. Um, in all the units fully occupied, they rent for $700 uh, a month for those. So it'll, and especially from what I've seen come on the market for like Pentaflexes and other six units that are ours is much better, it should appraise for 400 Okay, I think. All right, and then so I'm assuming, and and correct me if I'm wrong, that the, ma the majority of your tenants are are they military families? Yes. Okay. So we, we love the military because so myself and all of five pillars essentially were in the military prior to getting out and jumping into real estate, and so we really understand how their housing allowance, how the chain of command works. If they don't pay who to call, like like we got okay. it. Okay. <laughs> So that's perfect because it makes, it takes some of that risk off the table 
um, when dealing with your tenants, especially, and then with the military, I mean, like you said, you know the chain of command, you know who to call, and also, you know, military individuals are much more, because of the way they were rooted and grounded, it's integrity, you know, if I make a promise, if I make a commitment, I have to honor that commitment. So that's that's very, very good, very, very good. Um, tell me about Five Pillars. So I know you started this, um, this real estate group, you're a realtor there in Fayetteville, uh, you built a team. Tell me about this team. Tell me about what you guys are doing. I love the team so much. So um, Five Pillars was originally created out of pure necessity for myself because I was an individual agent and no matter how hard you work and how many hours you put in, you, there's still a max. You can only do so much in a day with your amount of time. And I had hit that max with my clients and I did not want my customer service to start you know, diminishing. Right. So mm -hmm. the next step is leverage. It's hiring on an admin team, getting more agents. So that way any, you know, that I can't handle can go to them. So it, it purely came from the necessity of that I had to live. Okay. <laughs> um, but, and the cool thing about us too is, is almost every one of my agents was a client. So a client who in the military has seen what I was doing and was interested in investing and was like, Hey, let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And so there's the fact that we all come from the military background with this structure and work ethic. Um, and we kind of all speak the same language. It's, it's just a very cool group of people who are all very invested in self-development and finding their own financial freedom. Okay. All right. Perfect. So now with five pillars, now were you, did five pillars start before you started the raising private capital for these deals here or was that afterwards? It was after. It was okay. uh, fall of 2018 is when I was like, you know what? Five pillars should be a thing. And it was, it was effective in January of 2019. So. Okay. So I'm a backtrack just a little bit, Shelby. How did you find these deals? How did you find your duplex, the six unit? You know, did you do some creative marketing or just MLS? How did you find those? So the single family was a foreclosure. It was a HUD foreclosure. Um, the duplex and the six unit were, the, well, the six unit, we, one of my partners called a for, it was a for rent sign in the yard. And it just was one of those really dinky, crappy ones. And the building looked like crap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so it's one of those conversations. I mean, they saw on verified font, like, Hey, are you interested in selling? Because, you know, if a landlord has a property like that and a little dinky sign, they probably hate being a landlord. Yep, yep, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And the duplex actually came, we closed on it first, but it came from the same guy. He's like, yes, I don't want it. I also have this duplex. I don't want to take them. And I was like, okay. And that's good. That's good. And, the re and that's the reason why I asked you, because it's always good to find these off-market deals. You know, mm -hmm. that's one of the things. If Family, listen, if you're out searching for deals, always call for rent signs, always go out, scour your communities because your next deal can be right up under your nose. I'll give you a classic example. The duplex that we bought, um, the guy had it on an MLS. It didn't sell. Um, a year later, I just happened to think about it. I was like, man, I wonder whatever happened with that duplex, you know, that I was interested in. And drove by it and I saw a for rent sign and I called him on it. I said, Hey man, no, actually I sent him a handwritten letter 
looked it up on a county county search, found who the owner was, sent him a handwritten letter, said, hey, I know you had this property on the MLS about a year ago. It didn't sell. Are you guys still interested in selling? He wrote me back. No, he called me immediately, you know, and was like, yes, you know, we are entertaining offers. What do you have? So I gave him a number and they accepted it. And lo and behold, he told me, hey, I, I have a, I think it was like an eight unit, not too far from there. And he was like, we're interested in selling that too. You know, I didn't pull the trigger because they were all one bedroom units. And I, I try and stay away from one bedroom units. Uh, but I just reached out to him last week and I, I, I asked him, hey, is that eight unit still available? You know, I'm coming back around. I'm like, hey, I might want to entertain this, yeah. you know, and unfortunately he said at the time they're not selling, but I will follow up with them. So that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, that's key. You have to get out here and you have to do unconventional things in order to find these deals. People think that, hey, I could just go on the MLS and find a deal. And that's not always the case. So, I mean, good job. You know, you guys really putting in a little extra work, you know, to find these deals. So that, that seller, did he have any other properties? Mm -mm. We took mm -hmm. all he had. <laughs> took all he had, huh? <laughs> yeah. And that's the best because he was really happy to get rid of them. You know? Right. It, he he didn't want, not everyone is cut out to be a landlord or really wants to do this stuff. So it really was a win-win. So what was what was his motivation, you think, to, to just sell them? I mean, was he just tired of being a landlord or? Yeah. So it's a different generation. And did not do the legwork, I would okay. say. But like, I mean, I read books, listen podcasts. Like, I know how to screen tenants. Like, he would he would take anyone in there, and then they wouldn't pay their rent. And he was going around knocking on doors, like trying to get like no systems gotcha. at all set up. Gotcha. And so it was very uh, taxing on him. Okay. And like you said, that's you know from the older generation. Sometimes they don't have that education foundation you know like some of us have now with you know bigger pockets and some of the other um, social sites and things like that we can read up and learn about everything okay so five pillars you have agents how many how many is the team what's the team how does it consist cool so i have myself and then eight agents and i have two full-time admin and two part-time admin and then we have a rotating uh series of interns so on the agent side like I said, a lot of them came from clients and a lot of them are new agents. So I, I mean, I have one agent who, you know, was an agent for longer than me, but mm -hmm. the rest are just new. And I kind of like it that way because they're just, they've got this fire in them that yep. the older ones maybe not, don't have so much. And then also I can train their brains to yep. think a little more critically than just like, you know, yes, no, there's definitely a gray area. You just have to find it type of thing. Okay. Um, yeah. And then my admin are literally the rocks of the team. They're fantastic because agents are normally the person, normally personalities that are a little more scattered. Yep. Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> Believe me, I know it. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. And, and, and our admin assistant, she's always like, Hey, I need this paperwork. I need this paperwork. And I'm like, that's not important. I need to go and follow up on this lead, right. you know? So, but like you said, Yes, those admins, they are the rocks. I, I don't know. I couldn't do anything without them. They're amazing. And like the amount of 
peace they've brought to my life just knowing that like I, I travel all the time now like I was in DC for the World Series last weekend and I'm like wherever I but I know that my admin are rock solid so yep right. yep so tell me about this acronym NCAP that you use with your team yes so they are just the foundational pieces of what I think is really important for our team members to internalize um, so education, it's all about educating not only yourself, but also your clients on how your clients need to be educated on how to work independently as well. Um, and then your network, you are, your network is your net worth, right? Absolutely. Uh, so for sure on that one. And then creativity, where finding a way to win, finding that solution because it's out there and then taking action and making sure that you have that plan in place to bring all of those pieces together. So that's, that's NCAP. Okay. All right. Um, how is it different from a military perspective as an investor and a realtor versus, you know, if you wasn't in the military, how do you guys operate differently? You know, how does five pillars, what, what gap does five pillars feel in the marketplace in North Carolina? So the gap that we feel is investments for sure because most real estate agents do not want to deal with investors at all especially since a lot of our properties are thirty thousand forty thousand dollars and if you break it down three percent commission that's jack. change <laughs> yes um and we have systems in place to make sure that my agents get paid enough so that they can continue to work and it's a value to them to work with investors but that of anything else that's truly what we've done is is we've brought out the positive part of real estate investing and then also created a community around it with pipes and properties so we can educate people on how to get into real estate investing different strategies um and then connect the vendors and their teams so they can build their own teams and become successful okay so you brought up pints and properties and this is your ria group correct yeah. mm -hmm. um tell me how often do you guys meet and what some of the topics that you guys discuss so we meet on the second Saturday of every month at 3.30, so once a month. And our topics really vary. And it kind of started out um, a little selfish on my part because I'm like, what do I want to know more about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the speaker that we would bring in because I want myself and my team to learn about X, Y, and Z. But also, as people come, they sign in, and it's like, hey, what are you interested in learning? So we take into account what people want to hear about. And um, if it's something that my team and I are the experts in, we'll teach it. So, like, I gave a class recently on how to best capitalize on the VA loan, which okay. was targeted, of course, towards our military. And then we gave a Burr class where we broke it down okay. for the market, how to do it. Um, and then like we've had a financial advisor come in, we've had an, a real estate attorney come in. Um, so just home inspector, contractor, all those people. Gotcha. And then are you, are you finding that you're attracting civilians also as well as uh, military? Right. Yes. We have a wide variety of people who come. Perfect. Perfect. Um, let me ask you this. Have you received any deals out of that group yet? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's great. It's great not only to meet um, clients, but also connect. Like we've, we've met a lot of wholesalers who I love working with wholesalers actually to get off market deals. And we've kind of found this system to make it work. Whereas a lot of real estate agents in, in real estate as a license side hear the word wholesale and just like, who? Like, <laughs> why do you, why do you think wholesalers have that? 
or realtors have that perspective with wholesalers because that's the same way it is here in Phoenix. And I do deals in Chicago and, and some realtors have that perspective also, but then you have that small portion of realtors, let's just say like yourself and myself that say, Hey, you know what? If a wholesaler can bring me a great deal and I have a client that will want that deal, why not? You know, but why do you think some realtors have that, you know, ah, it's a wholesaler. I don't want to be a part of that. Well, I think it's because the pe most people in general are scared of the unknown. And I don't think they understand at all what wholesalers do. And they, it just has this like shady, because I mean, there are those, some wholesalers who yep. can be shady, but there's real estate agents who are shady. Yep. Um, but it's, it's mostly <laughs> that just agents don't understand wholesalers. And that's why they're scared. Okay. All right. Perfect. So that might be a class for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, how do you think your investing is impacting the communities in Fayetteville? I think that it's, uh, that sounds bad, inspiring. Um, not that I think I'm that cool, but just because like Five Pillars as a whole, one of our missions is to get out the word about what our team members are doing. Cause it's not just me who are investing. Every single agent on my team either owns an investment property or is working towards that. So them sharing their stories and talking about all of the deals they're doing, people are like, oh, that's realistic. I can do that too. So it's, it's just kind of like an, an energy that we're helping people bring to Okay, life. great, great, great. So now, Shelby, we're going to roll into our hot seat uh, section of the show. So I am going to put you on the hot seat, the hot seat. So answer these questions as quick as you can for me. Starting out, what would you do different? And I know we touched on it earlier, but just kind of reiterate it. Uh, be careful who you go into business with. Okay. What is your greatest commodity outside of capital? The ability to attract great people. Perfect. Perfect. So human capital. Yes. All right. Um, what is one thing you can do to be more productive? Go to sleep earlier. <laughs> Go to sleep early. Are you a night owl? No, I am a hundred percent a morning person. And so if I don't go to sleep early and my miracle morning gets a little screwed up, I am not as good of a person. So <laughs> Okay, gotcha. Understand. Um, what drives your ambition? It's changed. Originally it was self-serving for my own personal freedom and, and now it's I want to help people experience the freedom. Okay, perfect, perfect. Um what do you believe is your greatest challenge, internal or external? I had to ask my team. Okay. <laughs> they said slow down, just a slow little. Slow down. Okay. Okay. Well, that goes back to that ambition, right? Yep. And what was the latest business book you read? Mm, Traction by Gino Wickman, and it was fantastic. And you know what? I have that on my bookshelf. Haven't read it yet. Um, that's one that I just need to go ahead and read. And then what's your, your latest real estate book? The Burb by David Green, because I love David Green. Burb by David Green. Okay. All right. So tell me, Shelby, how can we get in contact with you? How can we find you? What's your social media handles? Where can we meet you? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets, uh, Real Estate with Shelby Osborne. And then also same platforms, not LinkedIn, but same other platforms for Five Pillars Realty Group. So either one. Okay. All right. Perfect. Perfect. And lastly, before we wrap up, what do you have that you can offer our 
newbie investors as inspiration for them to get out there and get started? Take action now, because a year from now, you'll wish that you started today. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Shelby. I really appreciate it. We love Equity Family. Make sure you download this podcast. Make sure you listen to Shelby. Very inspirational. She has been doing this for a short period of time, but look how far she's gotten just in a little bit over two years. Am I correct? She went from one door to 40 doors just by networking and get out, getting out there and taking action. So Shelby, Thank you so much for being an inspiration, not only to me, but to the We Love Equity listeners. And we are going to sign off. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.